I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you guys that are all watching in the live and in the replay. If you're watching live, you're invited to be a part of the conversation as always. And I'm excited about this. I am uh, an Ancestry.com geek. Uh, I have spent a lot of time researching you know, genealogy. Part of that's because I'm adopted, but I, I enjoy uh, just sort of, you know, our heritage, where we come from. And as a Christian, we all share a heritage, and it is rooted in Judaism. Mm, and so there's a time. fascination there. And so I'm kind of excited about today's program uh, because I have a rabbi with me, Rabbi Kurt Schneider. Uh, he is the host of a popular radio and TV show called Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Uh, we'll talk a bit about that. But he also has a new book out called Called to Breakthrough. It looks just like that. Uh, and it, he shares you know, a lot of his story. And, and I just find it fascinating. I love this. So Glad you're here with us on Live Today Live and uh, invite you to be a part of the conversation. Hit like, share, follow, and subscribe wherever you're watching. Great to have you. Rabbi Schneider, welcome to Life Today Live. Shalom and love to you, Randy, my brother. God bless you. Thank you for having me today. That was a great tie-in that you made about Ancestry.com and believers understanding the roots of their faith. I, uh, I um, had a situation where my wife was kind of pushing me to do the Ancestry.com because she did it and had my kids do it. She was just kind of interested in her roots and her ancestry. So finally I said, okay, I'll do it. So my uh, my results came back 100% Ashkenazi Jew, oh, okay. being uh, descended from the Jewry of Eastern Europe, which is where most of the Jewish people in America are from. So um, it's interesting uh, to be a Jew living in the United States and traveling around the world, including Israel, proclaiming Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. Okay, I find that interesting too. I actually read, <laughs> this is how geek, geeked out I get. I actually read a whole book uh, about Jewish genealogy and stuff. And, and if if I understand it correctly, the Ashkenazis are actually converts. No, 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 no. no. That's not no, 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 no. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know stuff out there on the internet, but absolutely not. <laughs> Ashkenazi Jews are are true one hundred percent. Jewish people from the lineage of the Hebrews. Are they? Okay. That just, uh, absolutely. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you for the correction. Um, and it wasn't on the internet. <laughs> I actually had a book. Um, anyway, uh, that aside, I am fascinated by your story because uh, I have some Orthodox Jewish friends and we have very open conversations, you know, and I'm like, I, I you, if you're Jewish and, and you understand the scriptures, I'm like, come on, man, can't you, can't you see, you know, but, mm -hmm. and that's a puzzle to me um, sometimes, but you had an experience where you went, okay, I get mm -hmm. it. I, 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 I understand what Isaiah was talking about. You know, uh, Jesus is the Messiah. Walk us through some of your story. Thank you, brother. Well, you know, Paul said there's a blindness on Israel, even to this day. And for, for Christians, you know, for Gentile Christians, as you said, it seems so preposterous to them that Jewish people wouldn't see Jesus in the scriptures. But remember, Paul also said that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until this day as part of God's divine plan. So that's going on. There is in the um, sovereignty of God's mysterious plan, a blindness that's been upon Israel. We know that that 
blindness will come off eventually, that there'll be a time where the scripture says the fullness of the Gentiles will have come to faith. And at that time, Jewish people will begin to come to faith in large numbers, which will eventually usher in the return of the Lord. Um, but as you said, my friend, most Jewish people today uh, do not see Jesus in the Hebrew scriptures because of this blindness and because there has been, um, uh, since the time of the Pharisees that rejected Jesus, there's been such a anti-Jesus spirit upon the Jewish people that they grow up in homes in which they receive through osmosis that you can't be a Jew and believe in Jesus. So the Pharisees of Jesus's day that rejected him because they were threatened by him and because Jesus was taking away their power base and because Jesus was exposing their sin, those Pharisees are the origin of modern day Judaism. The grandchildren of the Pharisees that we read about in the New Testament, they are the origin of what is called today rabbinic Judaism that was formed in about 90 AD. Uh, so, it's been passed on from every generation of Jews since Jesus' time that you should not be a Jew and believe in Jesus. Because in the New Testament, we read that any Jew that was believing in Jesus were being put out of the synagogue. Mm -hmm. So there's tremendous pressure upon the Jewish culture to reject Jesus. They, and, and for most Jews, they're more concerned about fitting in as a Jew and being a part of the Jewish community. They're more concerned with that than they are with truth. And I'm, I'm not trying to make any statements of condemnation. I'm just saying as a Jewish person, that's the observation that I make. A Jew will seldom step out of that uh, 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 being you know, embraced by the Jewish community put their faith in Jesus because they know what it will cost them. But for me, to your question, uh, Randy, I was 20 years old, I was lost in life. I was going through a tremendously difficult time. In a nutshell, I was having an identity crisis. I wrestled all through school. I was a, a very, very committed athlete. I mean, I trained all year long. My goal was to be state champ in my weight class. I started in seventh grade, wrestled all through high school, got a small scholarship to college, got to a place where I felt there wasn't anybody I couldn't beat, but I didn't become state champ. When I walked off the wrestling mat after wrestling that last match in high school and looked into the future, it was like suddenly I didn't know who I was anymore. Hmm. It was like the world was pulled out from underneath my feet. Because for, you know, since seventh grade, all I had focused on was wrestling. It was who I was. And now that I was going into the real world, mom and dad, you know, are behind me now. I'm leaving home, going off to college. Um, it was like, this doesn't mean anything anymore. The world is a lot bigger than people that wrestle 119 pounds. Hmm. I felt control in my world, which is the only world I concerned myself with. But I realized now, graduating high school, I was going into a world where, uh, you know, I was not in control anymore, and that really caused me to become very fearful. And uh, and 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 I was desperately looking for an answer. Hmm. And it was in that state one night that I went to sleep. I was 20 years old by the time, by this time now. I'd been searching, I'd been reading a book by a, a guru from India, hmm. whose name is uh, Paramanji Yogananda. <laughs> and in the book, there was pictures of him supposedly levitating off the ground. And when I saw this guy levitating off the ground as I was looking at this book, I said, God, if that's real, if this guy's really levitating off the ground, I always believed in God. I said, if this guy's levitating off the ground, I said, I found my new wrestling. 
This is what I want to do. This is a higher reality than making money. And if I could levitate off the ground, I can only imagine what kind of bliss I'd feel. And if I could levitate off the ground, this would be something that I'd carry with me the rest of my life. I wouldn't lose it like I, like I lost wrestling you know, at, at 18 years old. So I'm in the middle of reading this book. Now keep in mind, no one had ever witnessed to me. I, my, my friends, all my close friends were Jewish, except for one person. He wore a big cross around his neck, but not because he was a Christian, it was because he was Italian. <laughs> it was just a part of his Italian culture. So I had no Christian influence. No one had ever witnessed to me. I had never read the New Testament. I literally never thought about Jesus. He never entered my mind. He was as far away to me as the man on the moon. But in the middle of reading this book, at 20 years old, I went to sleep one night, hot August night, Pepper Pike, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland, and I'm awoken, Randy, from my sleep in the middle of the night. Suddenly I'm aware that I'm conscious, like a supernatural heightened state of consciousness. My eyes are still closed, but I'm like aware. And then Jesus in color appeared on the cross. I could see the terrain that the cross was staked in. As an American, I knew enough to know the person on the cross was Jesus. Okay. And then a ray of red light from straight through the sky, Randy, beamed down on Jesus' head, from straight through the blue sky. When I saw that ray of red light from straight through the sky come down on Jesus' head, I knew the symbolism. The light was coming from God, and God was showing me that he was connected to Jesus, and somehow Jesus was the way to him. And that's how I came to faith back in 1978. That's, that's fascinating. That is not typical, at least to most Americans, most in the West. I know that happens. Uh, I've, I've heard Muslims talk about Jesus coming to them in dreams and things like that. Why do you think he came to you that way? I, you know, I don't fully know. I can only guess. Um, number one, I think that the Lord knew I really needed strengthening. I, like I said, I was going through a horrendous time in life, very, very lost. So the Lord, you know, number one, I think, you know, wanted just to strengthen me. I mean, that was his chosen time to save me. Mm. Number two, I can only surmise that he knew uh, what I would have to stand against. I mean, my parents, you know, when they saw that I was serious about this, when I didn't just forget about it, but I kept on talking about it, eventually went out and bought a Bible, started going to church. Uh, they, they were like, this was tr tremendously uh, uh, um, distressing and shameful for them to have their Jewish son walking around our Jewish neighborhood talking about Jesus. <laughs> so they hired the most famous deprogrammer in the country by the name of Ted Patrick, he actually was at, well, he eventually got arrested for kidnapping. He basically would be hired by parents to, um, you know, abduct children to get them out of their, their cults. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they brought him in from California to Cleveland. They, you know, they, they basically abducted me, brought me to California to the rehabilitation house. I mean, I had to stand strong during that time, you know? So I think that the Lord revealed uh -huh. himself to me in such yeah. a powerful way because he knew some of the things I'd have to deal with. So... I mean, I didn't, I didn't even realize that that kind of thing went on. I mean, it makes sense if you do believe that Christianity is a cult. Any loving parent would want to get their child out of a cult. Um, <laughs> I don't what? think my parents thought that Christianity was a cult. I just thought, I, I just think that they they were made aware of this guy whom there, was, there were Jewish people getting involved in cults during those days. Mm. I don't think that they looked at Christianity as a cult. It just, for them, it was so distasteful. They would take any measures they could to yeah. get me out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, so what happened there? Because, I mean, that, that's a major deal. Yeah. Well, what happened was, believe it or not, it wasn't nearly as intense as you and I would have thought. Huh. Um, the first part of it was intense. My dad told me, Randy, that uh, he said, don't make any plans on Sunday. I'm thinking of buying a restaurant 
maybe you and I will be in business together. So that Sunday came, he, my mom and I got in a car, drove to a hotel in Beechwood, Ohio, which is a suburb of East Cleveland I mentioned earlier. And I thought we were going to meet somebody about buying a restaurant. <laughs> so we go into the hotel and uh, walk into a regular hotel room. Uh, looking back on it, I should have been more suspicious, but I wasn't, I was totally caught off guard. We walk into the room, inside the room are three guys. It's Ted Patrick, he's like in a three piece suit. Then there's two other guys in the room with him. They were like in their twenties, both of them over six feet tall, probably at least 200 pounds each. We walk in, the door closes behind me. Ted Patrick looks at me, he says, Kurt, we're gonna talk about cults. And, I, and I'll, then they start showing a, a Hare Krishna film. <laughs> and he points to this little kid in the film, you know, five years old, whatever, I don't remember exactly, but young kid. He said, see that kid, there's nothing I can do for that boy. All he's known is Hare Krishna his whole life. But you, he looks at me, you've been living like a normal person for 20 years, and now you're spending all your money giving it to the church, reading the Bible every day, the most dangerous book in the world. He said, and I'm gonna snap you out of this thing. And I stood up, I said, I'm not in a cult. I just believe Jesus is the Messiah. He said, then you've got nothing to worry about. And I said, well, can I leave? And one of his big bodyguards said, sit down. <laughs> so I knew I wasn't going anywhere. So a little bit later, I said, well, can I go to the restroom? There, you know, there was a restroom in the room we were in. And he said, yeah. I went to the restroom, Randy, got on my knees. I said, Lord, I said, I don't know what I'm about to face here, but I, I just ask you to keep me through this. Came out. We eventually left that hotel room, you know, an hour or so later. We drove back to my home. We, uh, that, the guy came with us, one of the goons, what, not the goon, I don't want to say, one of the bodyguards. <laughs> the Jewish and, uh, mafia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And he slept in my bedroom that night, so I couldn't leave. And then the next day, he and I got in my van and we drove to the rehabilitation home that they had set up in San Diego, California, which was run by the head deprogrammer's son. And what they basically did was take me to the beach in the day and drop me off, pick me up like four or five hours later, then they would come home for dinner. Then they would take me to the bar at night, give me a little spending money and my ID back, drop me off, you know, drop me off at the bar for three, four hours, come and pick me up. And that's what we did for like three weeks, close to three weeks. Huh. Nothing happened. There was no like assault of, you know, you know, this is a lie. What you believe is a lie. Nothing of that happened. They just took me to the beach in the day, the bars at night. After about three weeks, they said, we're going over, uh, you know, Ted Patrick's home. I was at his son's rehabilitation house. So after three weeks or so, they took me to the head deprogrammer's home and we had dinner, you know, there was a few people there. I said, well, can I leave now? He said, yeah, you can leave. Next day, they gave me back my wallet, gave me back my ID, got in my van, I drove back to Cleveland. And I, it was like nothing had changed. Believe it or not, I literally felt bad for my parents because I knew it must've cost them a yeah. lot of money. Yeah, yeah, kind of, that's kind of count kind of sound like a scammer. I, I'm thinking, how can I book myself into that rehabilitation center? That sounds fabulous. <laughs> right? So I, mean, I am curious, though, because of the pretense, at least, that that you're going to, your faith was about to be tested, and yet they're dropping you off at the beach. I mean, when I get out in nature, that's where I, I feel God's presence, you know, stronger yeah. than, you know, the suburbs or something sometimes. Yeah. What was going on while you're sitting on the beach? You know, I had, um, I had, I do remember, you know, some of those times. And um, there was such a, um, uh, a desire in my spirit to enter into like a blissful state. Remember I saw yeah. the, in the book that I began with, the guy was levitating off the ground. Right. 
you know, so I'm, I'm associating it with bliss. And then when I wrestled, Randy, when I won like key matches sure. and they raised my hand, it was like literally after that, like I would get in my car alone afterwards. And it was like, it was like I almost became the music. I felt so free. <laughs> so when I, when I received Jesus and started reading the, the New Testament and I read Jesus' words, if the sun shall make you free, mm -hmm. you shall be free indeed. I had such a like childlike internal connection of what I felt that would feel like. Yeah. And so I remember sitting on the beach to your question in San Diego when they would drop me off there and just like somehow connecting with the spirit, not have entering into that freedom, but having like a taste of what it would feel like if I did. That's what I remember about it. Yeah, I, I totally get that. That's really, I mean, it's kind of funny in retrospect. Um, because you kind of had the opportunity to to quiet your soul and sit in a beautiful, peaceful place. And I I don't know, I, I can see how God could easily use that just to kind of solidify you and just kind of pour his grace and mercy. This is fascinating. Okay, we're talking to Rabbi Kurt Schneider. This is his latest book called To Breakthrough. Uh, and uh, I want to put up the website here. It's discoveringthejewishjesus.com uh, because now, uh, <laughs> despite the feeble attempt to uh, deprogram him. <laughs> he's, he's been preaching Jesus for all these years. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about the ministry that God kind of put you into and, and some of the effects that it's had. Sure, sure, sure. Hey, listen, just out of my honor for my publisher, Charisma, mm -hmm. um, if people are interested in the book, probably Amazon would, would work best for them. But in terms of what happened uh, in, in the ministry, Randy, so um, I went through a number of years that were very, very painful. Um, you know, the situation with the deprogrammer was not the end of the things that I encountered uh, because of my faith in Jesus with my family, with my friends, et cetera. There were other extreme measures sure. uh, that my family uh, took. And I, I did write about those in my autobiography. But what eventually happened was um, I got married to my wife, Cynthia. And when Cynthia and I got married, we went away to Bible school. I went to Toccoa Falls College in Georgia and was preparing to pastor. Now, the reason that I went off to Bible school to be prepared to pastor was not because I had a burning desire to pastor, but rather because I had a burning desire to know God and walk in his freedom. Mm. And I thought, I just want to spend all my time praying and reading the Bible. I want to spend my whole life seeking God so I can enter into that personal relationship with him that will bring me into the abundant life that Jesus promised. How can I spend all my time reading the Bible? I thought, well, become a pastor. So that was why, that was why I became a pastor. So I went off to Bible school and um, the Bible school that I went to, it turns out it was listed as a non-denominational Bible school. And I just heard it was a good evangelical uh, a Bible school, solid, solid teaching without knowing a whole lot about it. It was connected with the group, um, the president of the Bible school was also the vice president of a denomination that I was not familiar with. Well, the denomination that they were affiliated with, a strong Bible-believing denomination, but very much not um, too open, at least when I was a part of it, to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I went to this Bible school. We actually started pastoring in this denomination. And um, even though I was saved supernaturally, because of my you know, time in the Bible school, it was kind of like they almost made me scared of the spiritual gifts. Right. It was kind of like, wow, you better not be open to this kind of stuff because if you do, you might get a demon. Right. So I kind of shut down with the spiritual gifts. But what happened was after pastoring with this denomination for about three years, 
the power of the Lord really just started. I, I literally could feel the weight of God's presence coming upon me, breaking into my world and leading me once again into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit, which led eventually to Cynthia and I uh, breaking away um, into uh, from, from, from the group we were affiliated with. Again, strong group, strong group, but I was being led into a more charismatic experience. So eventually, um, you know, we, we moved on. I, uh, I got into business. The Lord gave me, Baruch Hashem, some success in business, which has been very helpful for me, um, uh, just in kind of rounding me out as an individual, helping me, I think, relate to people, and also giving me some of the tools that are now uh, needed in the ministry that I run. So what we're doing now is we have been broadcasting around the world for close to a dozen years, started out on television. As you had mentioned, the name of my broadcast is called Discovering the Jewish Jesus, both on television, on most of the major Christian networks in the country, as well as on radio now in many, uh, many cities across the United States. So we're preaching the gospel. That's what I do. I teach God's word, preach the gospel. We travel a lot. Of course, with COVID, we've been shut down a bit, but we've traveled to many places in Africa, Israel, Brazil. I can name other places, but it's an evangelistic ministry. And I think the thing that makes the ministry apart is that we're helping believers to understand how the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and the New Testament fit together like a hand in a glove. Mm -hmm. Getting back to your opening comments, my brother Randy, so that believers can understand their roots. Yeah, 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 no, I love it. Now, okay, so I noticed that you uh, still hold to some of the uh, Jewish uh, garb, you know, the wear. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious about the the other things that are Jewish, and, and I'm wondering if you do, you know, if you celebrate the holidays or go through the rituals yeah. uh, out of a cultural standpoint, or from a spiritual standpoint, or, or both. What, what role does that play? Yeah. I'm curious. Excellent, excellent, insightful question. Well, it's interesting that coming up uh, specifically is Passover, coming up uh, April, uh, night of April 15th. And this is such an important holy day, not only for Jewish people, but for all believers, now obviously Passover in its initial historical context was all about the Lord, everybody knows, delivering Israel out of Egypt through his mighty hand and outstretched arm 3,500 years ago. But Jesus is identified by John the Baptist at the very uh, on, uh, beginning of his ministry as behold, John said, the Lamb of God. 39 times in the book of, I'm sorry, 31 times in the book of Revelation, Jesus is described as the Lamb of God. Mm. You know, Paul said Christ has become our Passover. So it's very important for Christian people to understand how Passover uh, 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 is to be received by them and as part of their heritage through their relationship with the Jewish Messiah, the Lamb of God, King Jesus. Yeah. In fact, if I could, I'd like to take an opportunity to invite people to celebrate Passover with me. If you go to lionofjudatoledo.org, lionofjudatoledo.org, you'll see that I'm conducting some Passover services in Toledo, uh, Friday, April 15th. Then we have a Messianic Seder at the Hilton Garden Hotel in Toledo on Saturday the 16th. It's a, you'll, you'll have to register for that. You can do that at lineofjudatoledo.org and then another service on Sunday morning to help believers understand um, how the, the, these holy days that you refer to, Randy, 
are important believer for believers today. For myself as a Jew, why do I wear the payas? You know, why am I why am I wearing the payas? So why do I go by the title rabbi? It's important for me to be a testimony in the earth as a Jew that you can be a Jew and believe in Jesus. Mm. So that that that's my reason. Uh, I like it. No, and and I I, I years ago uh, we one of a church I was at started teaching a lot of the the Jewish traditions and you know we we had I think the Passover meal at one point um and I, I, as a complete non-Jew I mean I'm 70% Irish so <laughs> there's no no connection there but it was like you said there you go okay there's this other heritage that I have a physical expression of that shows me a spiritual truth uh and I it was fascinating. I learned a lot, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. I learned to appreciate the Old Testament a lot more because mm-hmm. a lot of us Gentiles in you know the era post-resurrection, we kind of look at the Old Testament as this kind of just archaic, kind of irrelevant book. But when you understand the roots, it comes mm-hmm. alive, and it's a beautiful, beautiful book. I mean, especially some of the, the Proverbs. I mean, Proverbs, all of it, you get it. Um, yeah. what, are you, what are you saying when people... Um, start to make the connection between the Jewish history, you know, the Israelites, the the things they went through to understand God better and to appreciate Jesus even more. Yeah. You know, it's really, really fabulous thing to see. It's almost like they get born again. I mean, obviously they're not born again. You're only born again once and there's no comparing anything to that. But to me, I've seen believers many times that have been walking with the Lord for years, and suddenly they discover the Jewish roots of their Christian faith. Randy, it's like they're excited the way they were when they first got saved. It's such a new territory for them, and it it does so much for them, just like you're saying. And, And one of the things also, in addition to just, as you said, bringing your faith alive, just bringing a whole new color, a whole new dimension to understanding, your, your, your faith in Jesus. The other thing that I think is so needful today is that there's a lot of, um, I think, lopsidedness in uh, the theology that's being taught today. It's like, it's a theology that's disconnected from the Tanakh or the Hebrew Bible. For I think specifically what I'm referring to is, how often do we hear about the fear of the Lord today? We rarely hear about the fear of the Lord. It's almost like the fear of the Lord is, no one wants to talk about the fear of the Lord. They say, no, well, we should respect God. You know, uh, we, should, we, should, we should honor God as, as we sip our cappuccinos in, in the pew on Sunday mornings, you know, during this. Let me, let me say, I, I'm saying for myself, no, we need to fear God. And, and that Jesus said, don't fear a man that's able to destroy your body. Fear him that's able to destroy both soul and body and hell. We should fear sinning for what God can do to us for the consequences of it. We need a restoration of the fear of the Lord in the church. It's a balance. Uh, we need both the love of God and the fear of God. When the Bible says perfect love casteth out all fear, that's not talking about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. That's talking about the defiled fear that comes from the realm of darkness. Hmm. So knowing the Jewish Bible, knowing the Hebrew roots of our faith, it helps to balance the theology a little bit. Yeah, I think we're a lot of current Christians default is God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. So it must mean something else in the Old Testament. Yeah. But you're saying yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying no. Yeah, I'm saying no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Good Good to consider. Um, I, I want to ask you about some, some sort of current things that are going on um, because 
there's there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, with the Russia invading Ukraine and you know uh, people saying, well, what they really want to do is destroy Israel. How do you view modern Israel uh, and things um, and kind of current events? Do you yeah, see any significance yeah. there? Well, I feel first of all that there no, I know for a fact, um, I'm humbly saying this, that God is connected to the physical land of Israel in a way that he's connected to no other geography on the planet. There is something right now in terms of God's relationship to Israel, the Jewish people, the physical land of Israel, that there's nothing else, it is unique in the earth. But I would also say that present day Israel uh, in no way brings to a climax the fulfillment of prophecy. You know, Israel today, by and large, is a rejection that rejects Jesus. Um, it's, a, it's a nation that when they were formed, they couldn't even agree to include God in their constitution. <laughs> so they refer to him as the rock of Israel. It's a secular state by and large, even though the Orthodox have a strong voice there. Israel as a nation today is nowhere close to what the anticipation is of what it will become at Messiah's return. So do I feel that modern Israel is part of prophetic prophecy? Yes, but I think that sometimes Christians are like overly uh, yeah. sentimental yeah. Um, and don't aren't clear thinking and, and seeing. It's almost like many Christians won't witness to a Jew because they say, oh, who am I to witness to a Jew? They're God's chosen people. Right. And I completely reject that kind of thinking. Okay, a tough theological question for you. I have a friend, uh, another rabbi, who's an Orthodox Jew, who said to me um, that that Jews don't need Jesus because they were never separated from God. And I'm going, mm -hmm. I don't quite see it that way. Uh, and then there are some Christians that, that think almost there's two paths to God, one for Jews, yeah. one for Gentiles. What, what's your, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think what you just said, that second thing that you said, there are some Christians that think there's two paths to God. I think, Randy, there's there's a group of Christians who would literally say that, and then I think there's a lot more Christians that aren't saying it, but they believe that. Yeah. That somehow it's okay for Jews not to believe in Jesus, they're God's chosen people. But here's what I would say, and I would say to all our listeners today, let's put this in our pipe and smoke it. Jesus said to the Jews, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the tough part because I, I, I mean, like, I think like God, I desire none to perish, uh, and and so I, I, it stumps me sometimes when I'm talking to my Jewish friends uh, because I don't, you know, you don't want to sit there in condemnation, and I'm not going to kick God mm -hmm. off the judgment throne by any means, uh, but you're, it seems clear to me that mm -hmm. we 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 all need Jesus, the Jew and the Gentile. Right. I think the biggest challenge that we have today in relationship to this issue, like the one that you're saying, the empathy that you have when you're speaking to a Jewish person, especially one that seems religious and, uh, you know, and your feelings and the emotions. Well, how would God send this person to hell? I mean, look, you know, they might not believe in Jesus, but they love God. And right. so, yeah. you know, we get into our emotions. So, I, you know, it, it, that same type of phenomenon, I think, is taking place on a lot of fronts in society today. Like, oh, my best friend is practicing homosexuality, but they're such a nice person. Right. And, you know, this is all they've ever known. And so, gosh, is the New Testament really true <laughs> when it condemns homosexuality? Right. And so people, they move to the side of their emotions mm. and, they, and, they, and they reject the word of God. To me, I would rather find out that I've been too strict in my adherence to the word of God 
and find out at the end of the day that maybe I should have been a little bit more open-minded. Yeah. I'd rather make the mistake of being too much in fidelity with God's word and at the end find out maybe I should have been more open-minded than to now say, you know what, um, I'm gonna go with my emotions and I'm gonna reject the word of God. Yeah. We have to, we have to stick with the written word of God. We don't have the right to change God's word. Whatever God's word says, that's what we have to cling to. We have to seize his word and not let anything else in. Yeah, fully grace, fully truth. That, that's, a, that's a balance. Um, yeah. What do we say to our Jewish friends? Well, I think number one, we look to the Lord. You know, I think I like to share with with believers that the best thing that you can do oftentimes is share your testimony. You know, mm -hmm. Gentile believers that might not know the Bible as proficiently as some do. You know, you can always share your testimony. What has Jesus done for you? How has he made a difference in your life? How, what prayers has he answered? What does he mean to you? When a Gentile begins to talk about God through Yeshua in a way that is easily recognizable as intimate, in other words, a Gentile begins to talk about God in such a way that it is revealed they have an intimate relationship, Paul says that provokes Jews to jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say that would be the first thing I would share make with the Gentile jealous. person, to make them jealous. Make I mean, jealous. Jewish people oftentimes view God in a reverential way, but they don't relate to God like perhaps you or I would, as someone that's closer to us than our own breath and loves us in such a way that's so tender and intimate. I love it. I love it. I actually, I never thought about that before. And I love it. Next time I'm around my Orthodox Jewish friends, I'm going to think, make them jealous. Make them jealous. That's good. All right. Rabbi Schneider, I, I love love your story. I love your spirit. I love your ministry, what you're doing. I, before I let you go, though, I, I want to show people uh, discoveringthejewishjesus.com and tell us what people can get when they visit your website. A lot of resources. Um, number one, we've got a ton of video content, teaching, short devotionals. We've got a lot of footage from places that we've been around the world preaching the gospel where we literally have people by the thousands running to the altar to get saved in different parts of the earth. We also have some teaching on there in uh, more of a PDF type of format that people can uh, download or print, uh, information on the holy days, as you had asked earlier, what the seven holy days of the Lord and the Torah and how they relate to Christians today. There's a lot of information on our website, discoveringthejewishyist.com, access uh, to resources, et cetera. Oh, I love it. I uh, probably should spend more time there and less, a little less on ancestry. <laughs> Get a little less, balance the spiritual with the uh, genealogical. Uh, but again, Rabbi, Kurt Schneider, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and, and your testimony and, and affirm the work you do. Just appreciate you, man. God bless you, brother. Great meeting you, and I hope we can connect again. Absolutely. You know, you know where I live. Come see me. <laughs> appreciate all you guys hanging out. Be sure to check out the, his website and the new book as well. Uh, it's called, uh, May, well, I'm going to bungle the title here. Called to Breakthrough. Called to Breakthrough. I couldn't come up with the, uh, the verb there. There it is, called to breakthrough. Available now. And check out discoveringthejewishjesus.com. Rabbi Kurt Schneider, again, we appreciate you, and I appreciate all you guys out there watching, hanging out. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.